Welcome to Mind Rolling, and I'm Raghu Marcus. And I'm David Silver. And hi, Dave. Haven't seen Dave in a long time, because I just came back from India, and uh, this is uh, our first podcast since I've come back, so I'm sure I'm going to be stumbling a little bit over the words, because I've been having trouble transitioning back to the culture a little bit. Uh, but uh, I, I do know that in my absence, uh, you know, we had, as you know, everybody out there, we do pre-record uh, stuff, especially when Dave and I get together and he comes to uh, Asheville, where I live, North Carolina. And um, we had saved, I just have to say this, Dave, because it's, uh, I think, uh, maybe one of the most important uh, podcast that we've done, uh, but uh, we had saved this, t- and it's just uh, we saved it till after the holiday was over and uh, Labor Day was done, and everyone was back to business and school and all of that. And uh, it's a podcast with Lama Tsultram Alioni, who has a wonderful center in Southern Colorado, and uh, this podcast has an actual, you know, people talk to us about, you know, it's one thing to talk about all this stuff, and what about actually practicing something? And uh, so in this case, uh, Sultram led a meditation that David and I did with her around uh, relating and dealing with and transforming uh, the disturbing emotions that we all have thoughts, emotions, which can be called in uh, demons that are difficult to deal with. And it doesn't have to be big things, like demon is probably not the right word for us here in the West. But I just have to emphasize, if anybody who's listening to this podcast, uh, which will be following the Lama's uh, podcast, please check it out. It is so useful this particular meditation she does, and it comes it comes from a book that she did some years ago. David, what's the name of that book? It's called Feeding Your Demons. Right. And it's great. I mean, you know, we both knew Saltram, uh, and she did write this uh, astonishing book some years ago called Women of Wisdom. We shouldn't get into too much because, you know, that's another podcast, but she's great. And Feeding Your Demons, uh, you know, we, we like to read these books before we have these conversations, if possible. And I gotta say, Raghu, that when I read this, you know, something cracked in the cosmic egg in my brain. It just sort of made really amazing sense to me. And I felt that it would really help a lot of people in dealing with all kinds of anxieties and fear, so on. So you're right. Absolutely right. There's not one of us that can't use this particular practice. And And she does it in a very plain spoken way. So... Yeah, and you can get her books on Amazon, uh, Amazon.com. And as you know, as we told you, if you don't know, we'll tell you right now, uh, we get a small percentage if you buy a book through our portal on MindRollingPodcast.com, our website, on the Amazon banner. If you buy any book or anything from Amazon, it doesn't make any difference to your purchase except that we get a small percentage, and it helps us continue with the podcast. So please, if you're going to buy Sultram, Lama Sultram Alioni's book, Women of Wisdom or Feeding Your Demons, do it uh, via Amazon. Unless you have a, a lovely local bookstore that you want to uh, support and see as being threatened by the, the mammoth Amazon, then I think you should go to the bookstore, actually. If it's still open. If it's know. still open, yeah. Please, yeah. God. Yeah, no, that's what's happening. But So if that's the case, then, you know, we do have a place where you can just uh, make a donation to what we're doing and support what we're doing, and people have been doing that, and we're really appreciative of it, as well as uh, audible.com when you go and uh, link to our, um, what is it? I can't even... I t- it's, it's, well, you've been in India, and you've been in a, a plane of consciousness. trying to do commercials A plane of consciousness <laughs> that we can only begin to imagine. Uh, just go to audible.com banner. There are two banners on mindrollingpodcast.com. One is amazon.com. The other one is audible.com. Uh, they have a free trial uh, for a month. You can get a book or so. And then if you like it, you can get more. Um, 
they're very high quality productions. Some of them are read by their authors, some not, but very good and very satisfying. Good if you're driving a lot or if you just don't feel like reading. Or if you have a partner in bed at night who objects to you reading, uh, having a light on, and will say things like, would you please turn the light off at a, intervals of 15 seconds? <laughs> and so it's better to have headsets and an audible book. And this is when you're, you've been with her for him for a long time, and you're uh, kind of way past doing those other kinds of things people do uh, late at night, right? Well, if that doesn't happen, at least, you know, you'd like to read a book about it, you know. And, <laughs> or listen to an erotic novel. Or yeah, or listen to an erotic novel, or whatever you like to listen to. Uh, no, no fear, no shame, no blame. But some benefit to us, if you shop via our banner, um, on mindrollingpodcast.com. Anyway, listen, Enough said. Raghu has just come back from India just a few days ago, and is still a little jet-lagged, because it, it is an ordeal getting back from there, particularly when you have to go through Chicago and Newark, <laughs> uh, which he had to come back. So it's a real decompression. But he was there, and uh, I, w I think this podcast, while the iron is hot, as it were, it makes sense to talk about uh, your recent experiences in India, maybe connect them with other times, uh, and I'm going to interview you as if you were our guest. Uh, Very good. <laughs> the first question uh, that I have written down here, just so people can get a bearing and know where you were, tell us uh, exactly where you went um, in northern India and, and, and why to that place. Okay, well, it's, uh, it is uh, north of Delhi. So uh, one lands in Delhi and then... Uh, takes a rest for a day and then off we went and I had a a couple of friends who traveled with me who had never been to India before so that was kind of interesting they were very self-reliant people so there wasn't any issue at all they turned out to be wonderful traveling companions and off we went into in an SUV on an eight-hour drive up through uh, the plains and then you uh, finally get to the foothills of the Himalayas and then you wind your way up. Now, it was monsoon season, so we were a little bit concerned that, um, you know, roads would get closed. There's landslides there all the time. And actually, in the middle of the summer, I don't know if anybody out there knows, this is a, a terrible tragedy occurred when, uh, in the middle of June, a huge cloudburst, they call it, a cloudburst, which meant, you know, a tremendous amount of rain in a very short period of time, came down in a place called Kedarnath, which is in you know, high up in the, you know, 10, 12,000 feet up in the, in the Himalayas, 10,000, I'm not sure exactly, but way up there. And it is one of the most holy pilgrimage uh, spots in India. And it has uh, an ancient Shiva Lingam there that Shankaracharya uh, put in a couple of thousand years ago. And uh, so this cloudburst happened and this huge volume of water came down into that town and it is a time when in the entire area there must have been 100,000 people on pilgrimage to what's called Kedarnath, Bajranath, uh, Gangotri. It's the glacier where the Ganges River starts. I mean, it's an incredible place. And apparently, and this I found out when I was there, a huge boulder ended up right in front of the temple. And so when this volume of water came, it came and it hit the boulder and then went two ways around it. And so the only thing in town that was saved was the temple. My God. Can you, that was the only, it is now being worshipped, uh, obviously. Uh, but I've seen pictures. I mean, the town was white. I mean, just rocks and all the buildings were buildings were pillaged. I mean, just you know, they're full of mud and boulders and and knocked down walls and and then you look into the uh, actual temple. I've seen pictures where you can just see the top of the Shiva Lingam. The people know a Shiva Lingam is a phallic representation of the god of destruction, Shiva, and there was just these uh, these uh, bell leaves. They're called that people do this. Uh, these pujas or uh, offerings to. And uh, so uh, that uh, actually, uh, and you know, I hate to be an, uh, 
a dramatist here, but in the papers it was reported that like maybe a couple of thousand people, a few thousand people, 5,000 people lost their lives, which is, you know, extreme as it is. When I got to India, my Chaiwala guy (laughs) who said to me, who sees people going back and forth all the time, and so he saw people coming back, he said uh, the minimum that perished in this thing was 20,000 people. 20,000 people. He said there was like a whole huge parking lot up there with buses and and jeeps and so on and so forth that had carried these pilgrimages that whole thing got wiped all that all of the vehicles and everything were wiped into the uh you know into the into the rivers and the valley i mean they were just completely wiped out and he said to this day they are finding bodies way down in the plains in a in a place called Allahabad where the ganges and the yamuna meet in the saraswati it's a major pilgrimage spot as well so it was a huge tragedy. And so we were concerned about going up there that that was continuing. And uh, uh, we were very, very, very fortunate because it, as we got to Delhi, it was pouring rain. And so I thought, holy Jesus, these poor people, they're going to be freaked. As we got to the mountains, the rain stopped. And it, for, the, for the few weeks that we were there, well, it it hardly rained. I mean, there was one one day, one afternoon, it rained for a few hours. I mean, it was uh, or twice. It was amazing. So where I went, uh, for many of you who have been listening to this podcast, because we've talked about it a lot, and listening to uh, the Ramdas Here and Now podcast that I do with Ramdas, introducing uh, talks that he's done. Um, we have been going to a particular spot. It's an ashram of Ninkaroli Babas, our guru, uh, up in the foothills of the Himalayas near a town called Nainital, which is an old uh, British resort town. It's where people went up to, to get out of the heat of the plains. And uh, this is a beautiful ashram. It's nestled in a wonderful valley, the Kenchi Valley, and uh, it is, uh, if you actually, if you go up to the top of the ridge right around it, you can see the Himalayas from there, because so it's not that far, you know, a few hundred miles. Uh, and uh, that is the place where many of us and many of you all who know, obviously, Ram Das and Krishna Das, that is the place where we first met Neem Karoli Baba, many of us, most of us. And that is a place where there is still a resident saint who uh, was of uh, one of the closest uh, people to Maharaji. Her name is Siddhima, and she is still alive and there, although very, very old, and uh, but still completely present. And um, so I, I have been returning there through the years, and I, I kind of call it, uh, it's my, in terms of like, you know, I like to take a retreat at least once a year from everything that I'm doing. And, uh, and I always say, well, it's the simple thing for me is to go to this particular ashram and the, the time that I get to sit with this being is a time of uh, just complete, utter spaciousness. No, uh, you know, time and space actually disappears in that moment, especially now where she is... Uh, very much steeped and deeply into uh, just uh, being and not speaking that much. And so you're just kind of in, are enveloped by this uh, essency energy. So it's like, okay, I go there, I sit down with her, and I sit down in this place, uh, which is incredibly peaceful, and uh, I'm instantly transported into a connective place with my interior self. Uh, that, and uh, this is where the joke is for me, that it would take me, if I went and took those two, three weeks and went to a meditation course or something like that in America or anywhere, uh, it would, you know, I could, I w- I'm imagining, because I haven't done it in a while, but I'm imagining that in two, three weeks, I could be in that place. I would get into a place where uh, I would go from, you know, 200 miles an hour to zero. But this 
takes, it's instant. And then I get to spend the whole time pretty much in that place, you know, just just instantly. So I guess it's a bit of a cheat on my part. But, uh, you know, most of us that were with Maharaji, he, you know, he accused us all of being lame yogis that... You know, it was the we've said this before. This the five or six limbed yoga, which is walking around aimlessly, gossiping, drinking chai, uh, and you know, smoking, <laughs> whatever. That's who we are. We're not really very great yogis. Well, but we must have had some decent karma to be able to do this and to have met a being like this. So that is the is a place that I do go to just about yearly for for many years uh, and and for the last 15 i think it's been almost every year so uh that's where i went and that's and because and this is even i hate to say this but because of that tragedy you know now that india's got a big middle class everybody's got a car uh, these little cars and they all are traveling everywhere and going on these pilgrimages and so on so that ashram over the years has gotten a lot more traffic, and so it's become noisier, et cetera, et cetera. Not, oh, it ain't like it used to be anymore kind of a deal. But because of this tragedy, uh, those roads up there were, of course, completely closed, so there was no more pilgrimages, and people were thinking that it was happening all the way south of there where we were, so cars literally stopped. I mean, there was very little traffic comparably and because there had been these tremendous rains, the river that's right beside this ashram was rushing. And you heard that bubbling, rushing river thing, not honking cars. And it completely changed the atmosphere. And, um, and we just spent a couple of weeks uh, just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and, and that sounds just... Delicious. Just, yeah. yeah, divine is hardly, hardly the word, but of course that's what it is. Um, it's good to relate this stuff because even though people who are listening, you know, uh, have all different forms of ways of, of, of transforming themselves momentarily, sometimes it's great to hear a transmission from someone who's had a transmission, many of them, from a master, a siddha, a great saint. So let's just read, let's just retread a few steps here. Um, as you all know who listen to these podcasts, um, Rago and KD and, and the others, Ramdas, many others. Well, not that many others, you know, dozens of others. A couple of but hundred. Not, not thousands. It wasn't a, a cult or a, anything like that. It was, it was a natural magnetism. And uh, the great saint, Shirdi, Shirdi Sai Baba, Shirdi Sai Baba, who's very revered in India and revered in this apartment, uh, once was asked why he doesn't see everyone as he's such a great saint. And he said, I see people who I've always seen who are in my family really? through countless incarnations. Mm. And that's the way I choose to interpret the way certain people are drawn to these incredible saints and others aren't. There's no arguing about it. It's not a, a socialist system or, or even a, a fair system. It's just the way of the universe, the laws of the, the strange secret laws of the universe that draw you. So you are, that's my little rap about that um i have to say though i i do have to say yeah uh, maybe two things um the uh, those people that had that karma to meet uh, neem karoli baba those of us that did i mean i look at them us and then i look at people who uh met him through just books through meeting with ramdas krishnas me or anybody and there is absolutely no difference between having met him in the body and not having met him in the body and met, met him through whatever, through dreams, through just direct experience. There is just no difference. And, and secondly, there is uh, no necessity to go to India. As I said, because I have this relationship with this you know, incredible being, um, is it's more like she's my mother, I mean, and she is that as well, Indian mother. Uh, it's just this the kind of history that I have, and I feel like I do feel like there's a way in which I'm, you know, taking the easy road here by by doing this, and and maybe not 
spending quite as much time in the and let me just tell you a little a, a little an, you know uh, anecdote um so i'm sitting there and a couple of weeks goes by you know and i'm feeling completely and utterly unencumbered by the by everything that from my life in the west that that's probably one of the best words i can think of unencumbered and just in, you know in a place of not being pulled by anything except uh i'm about to leave and i'll tell you where i went from there which is an interesting place and um before i leave uh she uh she calls me sidima and uh just to you know have a chat with me before i go I do not speak Hindi. I understand some Hindi, and I can say words, and I can certainly get along on the streets with shopkeepers and taxi people and all that kind of stuff and make a little bit of headway because they all speak a little bit of English, you know. But I can't carry on a conversation. So usually, not usually, always, there is a translator there. And uh, in this case, it was her right-hand person who uh, was going to meet with me, a wonderful person who speaks perfect hindi and perfect english she got busy or something and they called me in but she wasn't ready to come in and translate so there i am sitting alone with with uh, sidima and you know uh time starts to pass and as time passes i get agitated I'm agitated because I'm thinking holy shit I'm having her sit here and wait on me to find you know I can't speak Hindi I've been going here for 40 years what the hell is wrong with me and I start getting agitated that I am putting her on a on the spot or something I mean you know I'm I'm concerned that that she has to sit there with some idiot who can't speak Hindi and is waiting for you know whatever so I, I go through enough, whatever Hindi I have to make some little conversation. Usually it's about people, you know, that we have in common and she's always interested to hear about. You know, so-and-so's good. He sends his love. She blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Then I say, gee, maybe I should get Prema, which is this uh, American woman who speaks Hindi. She doesn't say anything. A little, few more minutes go by and I feel all of that incredible agitation which i didn't have walking in that room and i didn't have i had you know it had cleaned out i thought and then another few minutes go by and i finally say oh maybe let me get the manager the ashram manager speaks perfect english maybe let me get him finally she looks at me she hasn't said a word this whole time she looks at me and in english puts her hand up and in english goes wait like and the whole thing will you please stop just stop cool mm. your jets just be here for a minute mm. you know and it wasn't any any high spiritual message of any sort it was just practical like you know hang in here for you know so mm. as much as i had thought that i had let go of all of that kind of stuff came back in a flash just for whatever reason it was stupid reasons i was she couldn't care less that I, we could have sat there for two hours and it wouldn't have meant anything she was just she's just in the being thing and i was i i could have gone there but i didn't you know so um i guess from that point of view uh just leads me to say that it is always useful and in this case she's not really a teacher i mean she has told me to do this that or the other as a teacher might but she you know she just exudes and is living in 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 a love essence kind of place in the in the essence of what this is all about as far as i i am concerned um but it does point to the fact that it is good and you don't need to go to india to find a teacher in fact you probably find better teachers in the west not siddhas not enlightened beings necessarily but you don't need that you just need someone to point the way a little bit just like she just did for me to just like stop for a minute just you know get awareness about mm. how you're spinning anyhow so that's just one little moment uh, i thought i'd share but again i want to emphasize you don't need to go to india at all okay so 
Is that bullshit, that, though, Dave? N- I f- no, that's just. I, I, I mean, no, you don't have to go to India. I, it's just as a, it, it's just a great uh, boon, I think, without being too, you know, sort of gushy about that word. But I think it's a boon, a blessing to hear, um, a, sort of simple everyday experience, if that's what it is, or any kind of experience from you and others that have had the privilege of of. Um, of being actually in the, on the physical plane next to a, a, a true sitter. And, and so, you know, I feel that way about it, and I think others do, but it's great that you can also say simultaneously, and it'll be the equal truth, that for anyone out there who's listening, going, well, I'm not going to be that guy, first of all, he isn't here anymore, and well, I'm not going to be anywhere, et cetera, et cetera, you add the very important, very important um, note, crucial note, actually. You don't have to do any of that. But it's really great to hear about those places on the planet where people can go and um, experience a very, as you said, Raga, a very fast immersion in, in a high plane of consciousness or just in pure being, yeah. you know. Um, for those that um, haven't been to India, uh, there are times there when it just hits you something. Then other things hit you too that can make you very uncomfortable. But even if Very you're not, uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I've had, but I've had beautiful experiences there consistently. Now, what I'd like you to talk about next, uh, which I think is important, given that anyone listening who isn't totally aware of the Nim Kuroli Baba, uh, Satang and, and all that goes with it, uh, Raghu just told you that he went up to see Sidima, who is uh, an older woman and was a saint. And, and was with Naraji. Now, uh, so that's, that's why he went there, and um, why people do go there, to see the mother there. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you know about the way she co, um, or lived with and coexisted with and served and was close to uh, Maharaji. One thing I'll say right off the bat is that she has not allowed anyone to publicize her, talk about her. This is probably, this is, I don't know if it's a no-no, but, you know, I haven't done this before. I guess it's okay because I am. But she, you know, has completely stopped any of that kind of stuff from going on. And she is not a public figure and... I mean, that doesn't, I mean, droves of people, uh, uh, you know, come to see her, uh, Indians, Indian people and families, and she is a family guru to many, many people and has been over the years. Um, when she was with Maharaji, that's Neem Karoli Baba, and we call him affectionately Maharaji, and we've done so many times on this podcast and referred to him, she and uh, another Ma, we call, whose name was Jivanti Ma, who died about seven years ago. Uh, they were uh, constant companions, and both of them uh, served Maharaji for 50 years or so, maybe a little less. Uh, you know, historically, I'm not that uh, clued into it, but I know that all the time we were there, and for a long time before, they were with Maharaji all the time uh, in certain areas. And they did travel with him to some extent as well. But the interesting thing is, we never saw, the Westerners, we never saw, they never came out. And after uh, Maharaji left that body, which is, by the way, 40 years ago today. Is that crazy? I forgot about that. We're doing a podcast, and we're going to tell you, we don't normally do it. September 11 today, is it? Yes. Right? Yes. 40 years ago today, Maharaji left that body. And after that happened, we a bunch of us, Ramdas, me, Krishna, a bunch of people flew over to India, and we went to the ceremonies that happened uh, around his leaving. It was only at that time that she came out publicly. And then she told us, I know, ev- and she knew all our names, and she knew everything about us, and it wasn't <laughs> psychic or anything. Maharaji used to tell her about it, she said. <laughs> He'd come back in the room, oh, yeah, I was just with uh, Balaram Das and Krishna Das and whatever, you know. And she said, also, she said, I used to sneak my head out the window a little bit, and I saw you all. 
and a few times I saw her and, and, you know, and we kind of knew, you know, mother was behind the scenes over there. So, um, as you, sorry, do you know a little bit about when she first was with him? Yeah. When she met him? Yeah. She, uh, was living in this place, Nanital. She's from Almora, which is a couple of a few uh, maybe three hours north of Nainital. it's a famous place Lama Govinda you remember Lama Govinda he lived there yes, he was a, a Tibetan scholar and and other very well-known people lived there uh, oh, before before you go on is it all right to do this because you did say before you know that it's sort of like maybe we shouldn't be talking about her at all no, it's like Ramdas, right? Raharaji told him, "Do not yeah, talk yeah. about me when you go back to America." So that's all he did, and that's but, all he did. Uh, no, well, it's happening, Dave. I don't know what to tell you. It is Maharaji. Well, it's my fault. I asked <laughs> it's you your where fault. she met him. So you'll that. be burned, in, you know, by well, you know, to a thanks. frazzle, which. Well. Um, so. Uh, Listen, and nobody gets to, you don't get to India just because no. you think you want to go. It no, doesn't true. happen, and you can't, you can't get anywhere unless Maharaja, you know, if they don't want you to go, you ain't going. Okay, so, so I'm not, I'm so not going So I don't now. think you should That's worry really about That's really good. I'm really um, glad. And, you know, we won't, uh, uh, only to say that uh, one interesting thing, um, even when she was young, Ananda Ma, great saint of India, who we, many of us met back then, used to visit her. I mean, used to come to her house, uh, to Sidi Ma's house. And she was married and had children and so on. And when she was a householder in Nainital, she would go see different people uh, giving satsang in Nainital. And she then met Maharaji and, of course, became very attracted to him. Uh, when that was, I don't know. Okay. Uh, probably was... 40s, 50, you know, something yeah. in there, you know. Yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, the only thing I know is she told me once the, a story that uh, she said she was so uh, attracted, uh, obviously, to Maharaji, uh, and and she just thought to herself, she was like going to sleep. She said, "Who are you?" You know, just said, "Who are you?" You know, she was so. And that night he came to her in a dream, and of course. I don't exactly remember the shloka, but uh, the what, what's a shloka in English, Dave? It's a, a, f a few phrases from yeah, a, like from a verse. The, almost. Yeah. So this was from the Bhagavad Gita, a verse from the Bhagavad Gita, which which explained Krishna's uh, the rays that he represents as an embodied uh, embodiment of God, and. It, it, it was this whole verse, which was very poetic and so on. And, uh, and she had this dream, and, and he said, this, this, is, this is it. This is who I am, right? And she was a Krishna uh, devotee. In fact, she used to sing uh, incredible uh, bhajans to, to Krish, the god Krishna, you know, who played the flute. Everybody knows the god Krishna, the god of love. Uh, and... Um, in fact, I heard that they were so beautiful. Maharaji uh, referred to her, uh, Mere, he would say, to, he, he wouldn't call her by her name, he'd say, Mere Mana, oh my heart. That's how he would refer to her, uh -huh. oh my heart, huh. in the very, very, very beginning days. Anyhow, so she has this dream, and years later, after she was with him, you know, started being with him a lot, she was on a trip with him, and they were going to some temple which had, um, I guess it was devoted to Krishna because it had the um, the Bhagavad Gita written in Hindi all on the walls of the temple, and they were going through the temple, and he 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 just he looked at her and he and he pointed up to the shloka that had, she had. <laughs> that he had told her in the dream. Wow. Many, many years later. Which obviously was one of the things that he did to everybody. Miraculous things that confirmed, you know, I am in every pore of you forever and ever and ever. You're showing me a picture. 
And uh, Dave is showing me a picture of, of Ma back then with Maharaji, which was probably from just around the time we're talking about. So, yeah, I, it's a be- most beautiful picture. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, just hearing you talk about this, I never knew anything about that dream or the Bhagavad Gita part of her initial meeting, being with him. Um, so uh, just to digress a little bit, when you were coming back from there, uh, you went to a place that had uh, many, many, many amazing temples. So I'd like you to talk about that experience a little bit. And also after that, remind me if I forget, to talk about what are temples? I mean, if they're really temples, what are they? But tell us where you went and what, how incredible that was. And maybe we could put a picture of one of the temples on the... No, uh, we will. It's actually... Yeah, yeah. We'll there put it are, on, the web, on the website, on Facebook and everything. In this particular area, it's called Jageshwar. It's in the Himalayan forest, way up in the foothill. Uh, I mean, hours up. It's, it's uh, from there. Um, just the most incredible views of the Himalaya, of the, you know, the 29,000 foot peaks. Um, it is a just lost horizon type place. There is nothing there. There is one street that may be a quarter of a mile long through the town. And on one side is this, is the main temple. There are all these little temples spread out all around and a couple of bigger ones, but there's one maiden temple and it's devoted to the God Krishna, and it is called uh, Maha Mrtunjay, the great conqueror over death, which is the highest form of Shiva. And one of the reasons I went there in particular uh, at this time was because I had two things happened. Uh, when my uh, one of my sons was a year and a half old, he got spinal meningitis and almost died. And, of course, that was one of the most... Uh, horrific events in my life uh, and challenging because uh, he was unconscious for three or four days. Anyhow, he did uh, uh, he did survive. Uh, there was a lot of prayers from a lot of people going on. Um, and we had this mentor, Casey Tiwari, and he and his wife, when they heard about this and he got better, and I went over to India after that, uh, they gave him the name Mrutunjai, conquer over death. And that was, you know, related to obviously what happened to him and related to this particular place where actually I took my mother on a pilgrimage when she came to India. So I had two reasons to go. One, of course, my son and and my mother who just passed this year. So um, it was a very important spot. So the other, there's two main temples there. One is devoted to, to the... Uh, conqueror over death uh, form of Shiva and the other is devoted to a what is called in India there are 12 Jyoti Lingams which Jyoti is light and uh, you know they came from Shiva eight eons ago whatever I mean you know you can take all of this as mythology or reality I mean as far as the Indians are concerned it's reality but um, there this has been there for almost 2,000 years. That they know. And it was put there, and uh, there's 12 of them, and this is the eighth one around India. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you, you can look, uh, you can easily look up Jagashwar and Mahamrtunjai uh, on Google. You can Google it up, and you'll see these incredible temples. I mean, they are so beautiful. And uh, we went there, and what are they for? They're for, what is a temple for? A temple is nothing without bringing, people bringing the devotion they have to whatever represents the divine both outside and inside themselves. And they go there to honor that and propitiate that deity, that particular deity and all of them have different uh, a different form and different um, accomplishment, and each one is propitiated in the way uh, that uh, you know has been designed for these thousands of years to benefit mankind. 
And so we did that. We fa- we went and uh, myself and my two friends went and hired uh, a uh, a priest and went in and he knew all of the, the Sanskrit mantras and the way to chant them. And then he said, now, whatever, whoever is out there that you want to get benefit from this, what you are doing, from this, from propitiating this, this uh, uh, Shiva, um, you know, now you put them in your mind. And we did some other ritualistic things with offerings and flowers and incense and so on and so forth. And you're in this deep, dark cave that's moist and wet and full of flowers and and all kinds of smells because stuff is rotting there. It's been there, you know, fruit is offered and all this stuff. And you're sitting there in, in all of it and this ancient, ancient, it, it's, it, it looks like uh, an ancient rock. You know, most lingams, like Dave, you've seen them too. They, yeah. they are this beautiful, shiny ob- obelisk, right? Uh, representing yeah, very, the phallic very thing. polished, yeah. extremely. This was shiny. not that. This was like an ancient rock that protruded up, and that was encased in what's called uh, the uh, female principle yoni, right? Uh, it's called, uh, and it's set in, and it's all about you know, it's all about the um, union of Shiva and Shakti of male and female principles. And so in that union is, is freedom, is, is the uh, enlightenment. So you're basically wanting to get into that place. And then I did, um, uh, I knew the particular, you know, some of the chants that they do. So I was able to do that with, with him because I knew them. And so it was just a really powerful moment. Oh, my God. Let me do the Mitranjaya mantra simply. I'm going to do it, all right? Please. Om Triambakam Yajamahe Sugandim Pushtivardhanam Uvarukam Ivabandhanam Mrichor Mamrita. That's it. Wow. Yeah, he did that. He did that. Mm. Well, that's terrific. It always chills me out, and it's, it's supposed to be the one that, as you said before, conquers death. So it's pretty... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's an intense. Yeah, yeah. I I love that definition that you talk about uh, of having your own spiritual heart sort of jibing and fitting into and fusing with the one in the temple that it's dedicated to. Even, I mean, you know, just just to be really honest about this, I was on, I guess it's Madison Avenue somewhere in the sixties or seventies, and some time ago, a year ago or something, and I was very agitated. I was on my way to a meeting, and I wasn't happy about the meeting, and it didn't go well, actually. <laughs> but that's not the point. I decided to go into this um, sort of Baptist gospel white church at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and there were about 40 people in there uh, with a guy with a, a Stratocaster playing music and a huge guy singing gospel music, and then a woman joining him and then a short uh, sermon. I called the whole thing. And when I left, I did not care about the meeting. I didn't care during the meeting that I, didn't, I wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't for me. And after the meeting, it stuck with me, you know. And uh, every time I pass that place, it's usually closed, but I, I get that fusion feeling of not having any worries and just being going through one little incarnation with its perturbations and it's more than that. And what's more than that is at peace. So that's a temple, right? That is a temple. No difference whatsoever. You're absolutely right. And I'm glad uh, that you, you brought that up because uh, it's another reason why, you, I mean, listen, of course, going there is a tremendously exotic experience and uh, dramatic. You know, it was very dramatic, you know, being in this ancient, ancient place and where people come and it's alive, you know, but that alive, that, uh, you can create that wherever you are. I mean, it is, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Your experience and what you just said is more of the real truth than, um, going, going to a place like this and hiring a priest and doing this, this ceremony. In fact, um, you know, many people do this and it's just a tourist thing. 
you know yeah. or it's or it's an obligation or it's a family thing or it's something that oh yeah go up there you know and for indians as well as westerners and how much more true is what you experienced in reality i mean i'm not saying that what what happened with us wasn't true because in in fact you know whoever is going there it's what you bring to it mm. You know, it is really what you bring to it. It's easier if if that place is alive, then you get imbued by that vibration and it enhances your ability to connect with your heart. And it enhances the ability to then be able to really propitiate that particular aspect of the divine uh, in order to, uh, you know, help us in, in myriad of ways. And, and so, you know, it's... I don't want to put down, uh, you know, putting even my own experience down, but I, I do believe, you know, I'm really happy that you just shared that because that is so much more of of uh, of of a reality because it you don't need to go anywhere. You can. It's where were you? You were in the middle of Manhattan or something. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, but there was a a need. I think you put it before. You said, you know, that's what you're going to because of what you there's a reason for it. And I mean, for me, it was a real need. I mean, yes, I had 45 minutes or an hour to kill. I miscalculated and I made a conscious decision, but it did so happen that I was walking right past it. I didn't aim for a church or something, but when I saw it, something clicked and I knew that I'd go in there and I would find um, a place, you know, mm. and, and just like a real place also after it, uh, the guy who was singing, um, who was called like Hector or something like that, uh, came right up to me. I was at the back on my own and asked me why I was there and who I was and would I come again and embraced me and said, I, I hope you enjoyed your experience here. And it was really a very rounded off kind of thing. Um, mm. Temples do help because they do have a... I, I don't, I, I'm sure other people have experienced this. They have a, a vibe in there. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a place that's two millennia old. I mean, you know, in, 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 on the East Coast of the United States, people go crazy when something says 1721, yeah, you know. Right. But we're talking about two and a half millennia. I was in a church in Cornwall in England some years ago, a very tiny little church the size of a, not even the size of a Soho loft, one room, very small. And we went in there, and it was beautiful, and it was built in 1150 or something, which is, you know, a thousand years ago. And amazingly, it had a gigantic leather book on a kind of a, a pedestal, mm. which I thought was a Bible, but it was not. It was signatures. And although a lot of them had faded, some of them were from the 12th century, wow. three centuries, four centuries really? before Shakespeare. And I was signing my little name on the end <laughs> and writing, you know, New York, New York, and where I lived. And I just, I didn't want to turn the pages because they were fragile. But in that little space, which had nothing but one cross, it had one cross. It had, it had a few chairs. There were no pews. Again, there was that deep feeling of shared worship, if you like. These words are charged, but shared worship. And um, I wasn't there, but I was in the Brindavan uh, ashram. And uh, it was monsoon time, and it was pouring with rain and flooded. But when I was sitting next to Maharaji's Tucket, uh, the, the feelings that I experienced are untranslatable into normal English. It was so wonderful. And our friend Vikram, who was with me, when I came out, he said, well, how is that for you? And I told him. He said, oh, well, they've messed with it. They've yeah. changed it. It's yeah. not right. It never used to be like this. It's, right. it's, it's been messed with it. And I said to him, it's okay, they can put, you know, a flat screen TV in there for all I care. I mean, it's just, no, not really. But it was just so mm. incredibly, the word, I like this word, it doesn't happen that often in life. It was suffusing. Mm. There was no difference between your own heart mm. and all the hearts that had sat there and one in particular. Mm. You know, so um, let's go back to India. Wait, I, yeah, I just uh, want to, okay. yeah. I, I like that. Suffusing is, well, that, is it a real word though? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. Mm -hmm. You know. You it is, it is, yeah. Well, I love that because that, like when I said about how Maharaji used to refer to Siddhi Ma, oh my heart, you know, it, it is my experience. 
of this this particular being of being in that temple in Jagashwar is suffused with oh my heart and oh my heart all of our collective heart because you get into a place where you're not self-centered you're not self-cherishing as the as the buddhists would say you are out of that that to me is the most important possible uh, outcome of, of doing a retreat or having any kind of experience like that you are out of your your individuality your separateness it is gone and you are living in that collective oh my heart that you share with with uh, with all of all of these souls on this planet and whatever way that gets you there and in in, in my case it was you know, stepping into this uh, 2,000-year-old temple. In your case, it was passing by and being pulled into a, a church. It does not matter. And it does not matter where you go. Uh, it, it only matters that, uh, that uh, if, we, if we have any intention at all to, to be able to drop our separateness, and work towards that. That's the only thing that matters. And then you will be pulled in by who, whatever you need to either sacred places, teachers, whatever. It will happen. You will get it. These two people, by the way, these people that came with, you know them, mm. Jared and Jocelyn, and uh, you know the people that uh, I work with and, and, I'm, and I'm become very friendly with, but only in the last uh, year and a half. He's somebody who was uh, just interested in, in, you know, had been following Ramdas and so on and so forth. And he just said, can I tag along? Can we tag along? And I thought, okay. You know, I've never really done this before where, you know, guided people, uh, you know, how much of a guide, I don't know. But, uh, you know, obviously they had an entree to stuff that they maybe wouldn't have had because of my long years of experience over there. And they got all of this they got all of that time with with uh, Sidimon they got they got completely um embraced by our family over there they got uh, and we, we went to Jagashwar and I had a contact with the family that owned a guest house I mean we were doing you know kirtan chants with them uh, you know they were feeding us they I mean we had an extraordinary time so obviously they had the karma to have this particular experience to to open their hearts in a certain way and mm. there's no denying that at the same time it might easily have happened tripping on on 5th avenue and popping into you know a church it might have happened at a yoga center it might have happened at a lecture it doesn't matter it's so i'm convinced that just all you need is that intention to uh to get beyond you know the way that we live day to day in our separate universes and um and so i i just love that oh my heart you know is that's the appeal and the intent is to just dive into that place however which way you can get there and by the way there were some other just to divert from the maybe ponderous dramatics there of that little talk uh <laughs> I was sitting on the guest. By the way, you so you get to Jagashwar, and uh, because uh, uh, pot is uh, you know a charas, it's called over there. Uh, hash is sacred to Lord Shiva. This whole place, even though it's not supposed, it's supposedly not legal in India, whatever that means. But um, you know they have actually taken it out of certain places, you know, and, and busted farmers to some small extent because there's anarchy and chaos. There's no real law and order there. I mean, everything is just beyond the beyond. But you go to Jagashwar everywhere, f big fields and patches of it are growing. Everyone is cultivating it because it's all sacred to Lord Shiva. So there we were sitting on the porch of our guest house overlooking this you know, two thousand year old temple or whatever, eighteen hundred year old temple, um, and waving right in front of us were fields or not a field, but a huge garden of, of <laughs> marijuana, and to the left more gardens, to the right more gardens. <laughs> and we said 
to the um, the guy that booked us into the guest house, you know, the manager of the guest house. Might you, um, is there any way we can get some of this? We heard this great charis, you know, hash, that they, they call atar there, which is, um, atar is a word, the essence. So, because what they do is they just rub the actual flowers of, you know, they don't rub the whole plant, just the flowers where the, where the most incredible, you know, essence of the plant is, and they create these, uh, you know, these, uh, they're long um, tolas, they're called. I don't know how to describe them, but they're long pieces that may be a few grams, maybe six grams of hash. I said, any chance we can get some attar? And he looked at me and he smiled, and he went and shook his head back and forth as they do in India. No, no problem, no problem. And then literally 20 minutes later, he said, ah, the lady next door just harvested her plants. And he had like, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 grams on him. And like more than we could, that wouldn't be possible for us to smoke. (laughs) I mean, we weren't like big smokers, but we wanted to, you know, definitely take part in Shiva's territory. So there we are, ended up on the porch, having our uh, lovely chillum looking out at the thing for about Oh, I don't know, five, six hours one afternoon. Oh. So that was there as well. So, it, you know, that was pretty delightful, Dave. I wish you were there, Dave. You would have enjoyed Well, you know, Boy. I mean, I, you know, it's smoking herb in a sacred place that is actually part of the, you know, I mean, that's just, you yeah, can't be. No, it's you, the be all, end all, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, really. That was the, uh, that finalized our, our, our journey to the East. Yeah. And then you uh, you came back to the uh, United States. And, oh, God. Um, Just going you know, into the grocery store is like a, oh, that's an experience. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I went to, you know, you really do get to, you know, just in terms of your life, you get to really, as I call it, zero miles per hour, and then bang, here, it's 150 miles per hour. And it's a matter of how to... Um, just not get so caught up, you know? I mean, we are so caught. I mean, I just see it, you know. Uh, it's just uh, very, very difficult. And uh, and it does boil down. You must have some kind of practice that engages you into that heart uh, more than into your mind. And that's, uh, you know, that's the work. That's why Ramdas's book is cool, right? Called Polishing the Mirror. Yeah, uh, how to live from your spiritual heart. And it's exactly what we're talking about. And you, you guys, uh, if he you're into very, it, pick it up. He says very early, early in the book, it's a great book. He says very early in the book about following your heart, not just in terms of, shall we say, being loving or showing loving kindness, awareness or whatever, but more like just check out what you really feel you want, you need. And if it isn't something that 11 people around you are saying they need, and you really don't feel like it's what you need. It's not what you need. I, I mean, he right. says that in a much more eloquent way, but he's just saying that don't feel weird about, I can't do that, that other people are doing to get to this. It's just not for me. I just can't do that. And don't get all like down on yourself about it because, uh, you know, it's a mystery as to why we gravitate towards certain things. But as Raghu says, it is good to gravitate and make the effort, the proactive effort to do some kind of practice even if it's just as insurance against total panic and anxiety. Mm. You know, I mean, even if it's just that, if it's just, I don't want to get all caught up and angry and shaking and everything, so I'm going to do this. And um, many teachers of all traditions, amazingly, of every tradition, will say, God, if you can do a 10, 15-minute quiet period every day, uh, that'll do a lot. And it's not nothing. It's a lot to be able to say that you're going to do it. There's a million excuses that come in the way of saying, I won't do that today. Yeah. And, uh, it's, and that's why the yoga practices and meditation practices are very good, even if you don't end up doing that particular exact thing. They do teach you to practice. I mean, the word practice, is, it's an interesting word, isn't it? It is the practice, and it means exactly, exactly that. You know, it's like, Rehearsal. Yeah, practice but it's actually, makes yeah. perfect, they say. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, not even to get too teachy about any of this stuff, because, you know, as if you listen to Mind Rolling, you know that we are always attempting to cut ourselves off at the pass here about being too pedantic yeah. and bullshitting uh, yeah. in ourselves. But um, 
the the truth is i i i love this word uh well suffusion is a great is that the word suffusion yeah is a great great word wherever any of us can get into a place where we can allow that suffusion of the heart to take place that's it just just let's let's take that you know and uh and 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 we are all going to be led there i think our only responsibility is intent you know to uh mm. to get out of the you know judging separation judging mind and all of that stuff so just having that intent it will happen the universe will provide exactly what we need and maybe it's for you to go to jagashwar uh, go to, you know but yeah. uh at the same time that is not the be all end all by any means um but it sure was fun dave oh my my yeah i you know uh we'll we'll put we'll very uh, assiduously put some pictures from this part of india uh on the website and how about also... a picture i have a picture from my doorway when i opened up my guest house room uh, or looked out the window. That's that, good. That vantage point was uh, super, 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 super. Yeah. yeah, we can put a picture of that out. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do that. How about just... we'll put some other pictures that I took in India? You know, yeah. my friend almost got attacked by a giant monkey, and he was pretty freaked out about that. <laughs> he tried <laughs> to take a picture of it. The monkey went did, like Tarzan and jumped at him and. F- Next thing I know, I hear this, you know, because I was further down the road, and I hear someone running. I'm looked behind, and there he is running down the road. Thank God the monkey didn't come after him. But yeah, uh, <laughs> and you think, isn't it lovely? Well, here's just one last stupid thing. Isn't it lovely? Oh, monkeys in the forest in the him. There's two kinds, you know. I think one's called rhesus, and the other one is, oh God, I can't. It's a silver. They're silver monkeys. They're so the silver ones are bigger. And they are the ones that are in, in uh, they, they've lived there, you know, forever or whatever. The other ones that are, that are really troublesome, they're from the plains. And th- to get rid of them, they round them up in trucks, drive them up into the Himalayan foothills and dump them there. And then they get into wars and there's territorial wars. And these ones are very aggressive, as my friend uh, found out. So, though, isn't it delightful, all these monkeys? No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I mean, they actually took all of them and put them in another another monkey tribe, and they and took them in a truck and put. And it's like you know, if you get, you know, some uh, for us, what if we get some, uh, you know, um, what are the things around our house that we don't want? You know, varmint right. of some sort uh, around our house, skunks or whatever the hell. We trap them when we we don't want to kill them. So we put them elsewhere, right? Yeah. In yeah. this case, it's a wrong-headed idea. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Anyhow, neither here nor there. Is that? It? I think that's it, though, for us, is it? Uh, yeah. Just one thing is that you named the word for that Shivite um, marijuana was uh, attar or something like attar. that. Attar. Yeah. A T T A R. Yeah, because A T T A R in Arabic means perfume. Oh, well. That's mm. kind of you know right on. I just, yeah, I, I, I just occurred to me. I don't know whether there's maybe eleven people still listening to this podcast, oh. and they're really going to be interested in. I mean, after no, I'm kidding. But um, Atar, um, you know, is essence is what you're after. I mean, you're not really chasing anything, are you? Really, in the in the the whole practice thing, you can't chase it. You just have to sort of make yourself available. Yeah. And, and then this essence comes this yeah. attar and uh, hopefully makes you happy. <laughs> gives you gives you some insights that you were lacking five seconds before. No, um, uh, uh, well, you it's know, just fun. It's just fun. It's just, yeah, that's, it's, that's yeah, we can't. It's, yeah. Okay, so um, is there anything got, else you wanted to well, ask? Well, we want to remind because we've been. I mean, a very wonderful person sent us a donation, and. Um, uh, I'm not going to reveal his name because I don't think he would want that. And he said he loved the podcast. And then he said, you're right. Your marketing really sucks. That's what he said. It was his opening line in the letter. I, he wrote a letter back to me after I thanked him for the donation. And so because of that, I was shaken up and thought we better get on this. So um, Amazon.com 
banner on Mindrolling Podcast. No, everyone's okay, so when you start to do this at the end of the podcast, everybody they're gone already. Okay, we've heard what we want to eat. What are we gonna listen to a commercial at the end? That's why you do it at the beginning. That's why it's lame. Anyhow, You're however right. you all can help us out. It is yeah, great. I mean, just uh, send us good thoughts. That's easy. Um, and and that's not a commercial. That's just nice. Uh, all right, so we're done on this. And um, send we us will... good thoughts is really that's heavy marketing. Uh, it is. Thanks. Um, I yeah, we need it. So just um, wait for when this comes out, and then there'll be pictures of some of this. Uh, yeah, on... don't you all love Dave's blogs, everybody? I can hear a roar out there, but they are great, and thank you. Uh, yeah, I, but... I'm appreciating them. Um, Dave is doing them because he's a. F- a, he's a writer, and I'm not. And B, he's uh, you know far more um, aware of what's going on in this world. To make, I mean, at this point, I have no idea of what's going on except the Syrian thing. You and, don't want to know. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. It's like you know. I mean, don't. It. I mean, it's not like I'm a uh, political or a uh, you know no. uh, so- societal. Yeah, um, you can take a break for a few weeks. But I did know. take a break, and and now I'm coming back, and I'm gently trying to get back into it. Anyhow. Those things are great. Dave's doing. He's also putting up uh, new things on the on the website. Uh, you know, cutting up uh, episodes and because they're really great as little two minute, three minute kind of things, reminders for us. Yeah, so check that's out the happening. new one. We put a new one up. It's Krishna Das when he talked with us last about. Um, oh, really? About the the guru inside uh-huh. the inside job. You know, and it's a nice little. Well, that's uh, that's great. That's great. Just a three-minute bit, so you can get like little ones instead of having to endure the and whole. And that really, uh, and and if I remember correctly, whatever he was, what he was talking about back then is very relevant to what we were just talking about. Yeah. In terms of yeah. going to India, not going to India, and 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 meeting up with teachers and so on and so forth. So. Yeah, it's on great. The, it's on the the home page at the bottom. And it's just excerpts. It's a blog. It's excerpts. It's extras. And that's why you should go to the uh, you know those of you who go SoundCloud and Facebook to listen to the podcast, whatever. Or connect to it. Don't uh, don't do a buy a buy a pass of the website because we're trying to put things on there that you might you might like. Yeah, and create a little community. Anyhow, yep. great to be back. Great. To, uh, this yep. is fun. I mean, I kind of missed it. We are actually thinking, how could we do it from India? But of course, it's yeah, a little forget too about it. wonky forget to try it. that one. Uh, you know, we're lucky uh, right. we can get this done. Okay. Good. Great. I'll see you later mindrollingpodcast.com come share with us we love your comments we we love the community that's being uh, created out of this podcast so see you next week dave okay